It's great to welcome you this morning, but it's also great to welcome Pastor Sammy Miller with us this morning. Sammy is an ordained Elam pastor. He's a, a pastor within the Elam Pentecostal Church. He's pastored a number of churches within the network of churches that we're part of and uh, is presently working with Teen Challenge in Milton Mowbray. And Sammy's fellowshipping, and, and uh, while he's working with Teen Challenge in this part of the country, he's fellowshipping with us as a church, and we're delighted at that, and we're delighted that he be speaking this morning. Helen and I went to Bible college with Sammy. We could probably tell you a few stories. I bet he could tell you a few stories about us, I'm sure, from the, the college days. We had great times, good fun together, good times together, and it's great to welcome him this morning. So let's give him a round of applause as Sammy comes and shares this morning with us. So thanks. Thanks, Sammy. Amen. Well, good morning. It's great to be here, and it's a privilege to be able to stand in the pulpit and preach the Word of God. And uh, I really thank Helen and Adrian for their friendship. Uh, they've been good friends to me, and I appreciate them very much, and even been able, and for them to allow me to stand in this pulpit this morning and knowing who I am. <laughs> I thank them very much. Uh, and we did go to Bible college together. And you'll never guess what, but I was playing football yesterday. <laughs> I'm still, still trying to play football. Nearly killed me. <laughs> I could hardly move this morning. But uh, we pray that God's going to... I believe that I got a living word from the Lord this morning. Amen. God wants to speak to us. And we're going to read together from the Gospel of John and chapter 5. John chapter 5. I hope you can understand my accent. <laughs> I'm from Ballymena in Northern Ireland. I've been over here for over 20 years, but I think I've still got some accent there. <laughs> Amen. Just pray that the Lord will give you the interpretation. Amen. John chapter 5 and verse 1. Some time later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there, in Jeris now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered col columnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, one who was there, sorry, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been, who had been healed, It is a Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow? who told you to pick, up, uh, pick it up and walk. The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. 
Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something else may happen to you. Amen. Let's pray. Amen. If you would like God to speak to you this morning, why don't you ask him? Just bow your head and say, God, would you speak to me this morning? Amen. Usually I speak at Teen Challenge. Usually I speak each week to 25 young men who are coming out of addiction who have found Jesus. When I talk to them, I say this is a matter of life and death. They have all been spared death, thank God. And when I talk to them, it is of absolute importance that they hear God speaking to them. They do not need religion. Every one of those young men need to know Jesus, and they need to know Jesus is real and speaking to them. Dried up, dead religion is not going to do a thing for them. So when I talk to them, I'm deadly serious. And when I talk to you this morning, I am deadly serious. This is a matter of life and death. The church needs to get its act together. Amen. We need to hear from God. We cannot just show up on a Sunday and play at church. When I come to church, I want the Holy Spirit to speak into my life and do something radical in my life. Have you come here this morning because it's a Sunday morning, or have you come this morning to hear what God says to your life? Now that I've preached my first sermon, bow your head with me. Let's all ask God to speak to us. Amen. Lord, we just welcome your Holy Spirit. Would you come, Lord Jesus? Would you come, Holy Spirit? We need you like never before. (laughs) We need your presence. Lord, we don't want to just be any ordinary club. We want to experience the presence and the power of God that can radically change lives. Thank you for every testimony in this building this morning. Thank you, Lord, that we got water bubbling behind me because lives are still being changed through the ministry of this church. But, Lord, we ask you for more in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 First of all, we, I want to, tomorrow, this morning I will share a part of my testimony, and I will share my heart with you, and I will share the Word of God, and we pray the Holy Spirit will work. Amen. First of all, it says here that Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. They were having a feast. They had many feasts that they were introduced to in the Old Testament times. They had great feasts, the great, great feast of atonement, the, the feast of Passover, the feast of Pentecost, the feast of trumpets blowing, just to mention some of them. They went up to celebrate a feast. They were in Jerusalem celebrating the feast. But what those feasts represented were incredible truths. If only they could get to the bottom of what those feasts truly represented. Lives could be radically changed. The Jewish people, rather than practicing religion, could really know how great God is. I love God, don't you? (laughs) I love Him. I think God's brilliant. I, I experience the power of God. I experience the love of God. It's great to know God. And only if they could atonement to be at one with God is a wonderful possibility for anybody to celebrate the, the feast of atonement at one with Almighty God. What an incredible potential. The Passover, what the Passover is a feast represented, represented like the, the angel of death Passover, the Israelites were brought out of slavery into total freedom. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we all knew what it was to be totally free? To really be free in your mind, in your spirit, in your soul. To be free, to really 
laugh, a deep belly laugh. That is what real freedom is, and that's what Jesus wants for each one of us, to be absolutely Pentecostal free. Amen. You're, that's all right. You clap. Please do clap. You can shout. You can yell. You can do what you want. Amen. And then they had the Feast of Pentecost. Wouldn't it be great if we just didn't know that we come to church to celebrate we are Pentecostal? But wouldn't it be great if we really were Pentecostal? To really know the fullness of the Holy Spirit. To celebrate the feast, we are always in danger of just getting into a routine. Like the Jews, they went to celebrate the feast, but they weren't really living in the truth, the revelation of what it was. And all this potential was there. So Jesus was up to celebrate one of these feasts, but he must have looked around. Jesus must have been very frustrated many times. You've come to celebrate the feast, but you haven't got a clue. You haven't grasped it. You haven't enjoyed it. Oh, that we would enjoy the things of God. And then it tells us that there is a pool. There's a pool here. It is uh, a, which by the Sheik, Bathsheba. Bathsheba means the house of grace. Bathsheba means the house of mercy. <laughs> I was interested. I think it was this lady, wasn't it, that was speaking? Uh, the family service I came to two weeks ago. Bathsheba, the house of grace, the house of mercy. My sister over here spoke about grace. And then afterwards she had the vision or the picture or there's something in her spirit that there's a pool here. There's a pool, a healing pool. And this morning as I prayed about this during the week and I have wrestled with God, I could almost prophesy now. Could you allow me to prophesy over to this church? <laughs> Can I have a bash, Eddie? <laughs> in my heart, in my spirit. <laughs> During the week, weigh this one up. I had a dream or I had a vision or I just had a silly thought. Here was my silly thought for this church. <laughs> that this would be like water world. That this church would be like water world. That you would be an oasis. The name is on the front of the church, oasis. That you would truly be an oasis. An oasis where people would come and that if you know your Bible in Exodus, that people came to Marah where there was bitter bitterness of water. And then the Lord led them from a place of bitterness to a place called Elam, which was an oasis in the desert. And they came from bitterness into 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. That is the oasis. And I had this vision about water world that you as a church could actually manage, oversee an oasis. Somebody else could come over here and go to a healing pool. Somebody over here, when I go to a water world and when I went to Butlins and you have, there's, there's, there's a jacuzzi, <laughs> there's a water slide, there's a whirlpool. There's a wave machine. There's all types of water. But in this church, I believe that it is possible that you as a fellowship can manage water for God. That you can have an oasis. That you can have a healing pool. That you can have, and, and it confirmed it in my spirit this morning when I sat where Edie's sitting and I was looking in below and I can see the water bubbling below my feet this morning. 
It's not every, this is the first Sunday I've come to this church and I've seen bubbling water as if the Lord wants to confirm to me that this is to be a water world, that there is to be a real oasis, that there is to be a real healing pool, that the power of God should be released, that this worship leader, that you should not be content with what you got as a worship team. God wants this worship team to go deeper than you have ever gone before. And he wants the presence of God. You have got an anointing upon you, but you haven't seen the half of what God wants to do through this worship team. That people will be healed as you worship. That people will be refreshed. That people in the congregation will be baptized in the Holy Ghost even as you're worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen to that. Maybe it's not such a daft thought after all. Amen. God is good. Jesus then noticed there was an invalid. He noticed an invalid and by the pole. He couldn't get in. He couldn't get healed. I have, God has helped me to notice the invalids in church. Over the last two years of my life, God has helped me to notice the invalid in church. They are near the pole. They're near water, but they're not getting all that they need, the invalids. I'm glad that this word has gone out of the English language. We don't use the word invalid anymore. We use the word disabled, uh, invalid, invalid, invalid people in church. They're not, they're invalid. They're invalid. They're not valued at all. And I began to notice things in church that I never noticed before. I grew up in the Elam church. I was dedicated when I was three months old. I was taken to church before I was born. My mom carried me there in her womb. I grew up through Elam, and I've been an Elam pastor the same length of time as what Eddie has been. And for over 20 years, I've been a pastor. All I've ever known all my life is church. And two years ago, I was to celebrate my 20th wedding anniversary. I've got four children. Joseph is 19, Grace is 17, Luke is 12, and Peter will be 11 in two days' time. And we have a beautiful family life, and I used to sit in the pulpit, and I used to do everything that your pastor does, year after year after year after year, preaching the gospel, seeing lives radically changed, moving in the power of the Holy Ghost. Two years ago, I came to a place where I realized that my marriage was over because my wife found somebody that she thought would love her better than I did. And so our marriage finished. It's bad. When you're a pastor, it's really bad. And for, I knew about this for a while, this relationship, and I tried to stay away from this red atomic bomb. And I knew the minute I pushed that button and bring this out in the open, that my world shall be blown apart. It will hurt me. It will hurt my children. It will hurt the church. It will hurt a lot of people. And I tried as long as I could to stay away from that button. But two years ago, I couldn't do it. I couldn't put up with it anymore. And it had to happen. And I hit the button. I called my two older children into the room and I said, today, I'm leaving the house. I'm leaving the house. This is me two years further on. I could talk to you two years ago. (laughs) And I stood and I said, kids, this is what's happened. 
And I said, I'm the one. I, had, I left the house. I believed that God wanted me to leave the house so my kids could go to the same school, have the normality. The only person that was going to have a lot of change in their life was really me. Uh, and so, but that's what I had to do. I, I left the house that day and I couldn't say goodbye to my, my nine-year-old son or my 11-year-old son. I couldn't even face them. I said goodbye to the older two and I just ran out the door. I got a one-way ticket to Ireland and on the plane over to Northern Ireland, I had a panic attack. I couldn't breathe. I sat in the airport before I got on the plane and I cried for two hours solid. Just sat there totally, totally broken and miserable. On the plane, I couldn't breathe. I thought, I'm going to die. I got over to Ireland. My brother picked me up. He said, Sammy, where do you want to go? You can come and stay at my house. I said, I've got seven sisters and three brothers. My brother said, come and stay with us, Sammy. I said, no, I can't. I can't be around children. I said, what? He said, do you want to go to your mum's? <laughs> my mummy's 77. I said, I don't want to go to my mass. I don't want to go and break my mother's heart. Every other time, Pastor Sammy showed up in Ballymena. My mum, her face lit up when I went through the door. I did not want to go to my mother's heart with a broken marriage. Time went by, it's about 10 o'clock at night. I said, you better take me to my mother's house. I went and stayed with my mum. I sat opposite her on the chair. For three days, I howled like a dog in total pain and agony. I couldn't believe this was happening to me. I looked at my mum and I said, Mum, don't look at me, mummy. Don't look at me. Just let me mope about here. I'm all right. I'll be all right, mother. Now, my mother is a spirit-filled woman. She still preaches today. <laughs> She's Pentecostal through and through. My mom smiled at me and she said, Sammy, I can't wait to see what God has got for you. Thank God for a spiritual mother. <laughs> About a month beforehand, I had been over in Ireland and I had preached and the Spirit of God fell upon me that I have never experienced in my life because I was broken and brokenness, God meets you. Does anybody know that? <laughs> people were healed, people were saved. My mom says, Sammy, I'm glad that God let me see you one month ago filled with the Holy Spirit, seeing the sick being healed and people being born again, because I know that God will bring you through, son. But I remember looking at her like this, and I said, Mom, don't look at me. i tell you what happened. Next day, I got up. Saturday morning, I said, I'm not, I don't want to be here tomorrow. Tomorrow's Sunday. I said, I don't want to be around Christians on a Sunday. <laughs> My family are just all going to church. And I said, just take me up to Portrush. So they took me to my sister. We're selling a house in Portrush. And uh, in the, the house was empty. I went into the empty house by myself on a Saturday night. I remember one of my sisters saying, what are you doing letting Sammy go up to that house by himself? He could do anything to himself. She was worried about me. I got up. The central heating broke down. I got up. I was cold. I got up the next morning all by myself. I'm not here to tell you a sad story. <laughs> and I don't want sympathy. Sympathy is no good for anybody. But you can have a cry if you want. <laughs> but I got up the next morning. I got a wee coat on. Didn't get my suit on. Didn't get my shirt on. I was just Sammy. Wasn't a pastor anymore. I was a nobody now. <laughs> That's how I felt. <laughs> got my wee coat on. Walked down the street. <laughs> I went to the first church that I came across. I went in and sat down. And then I realized I was sitting in a Catholic church. <laughs> in Northern Ireland. But during the last two years, God was breaking through prejudice in me. I used to stand behind a pulpit and used to say, isn't today's society so bad that children are running between parents? I never thought it would happen to me. Isn't it sad today? And I used to think that's to do with the parents, the 
they were such good parents as what I am, their, their kids wouldn't be running between parents. I had to learn the hard way how ignorant and prejudiced I was in today's broken society. I did my best to be a good husband and to be a good father. God knows. And still, I am now divorced. My children run between their parents. Be careful how prejudiced you are. Growing up as a real prod in Balamina, I now found myself sitting in the Catholic church. I sat in that Catholic church, the first Catholic service I had been to in Northern Ireland. I sat down and seen the church filling up. At the front of the church, I noticed there was somebody with a keyboard. They actually had their back to the congregation. They were playing like this, and there was a couple of singers. I actually thought, there's something nice about that, that they're, they don't, you don't even see their worship team. They're just there. And they started singing the same songs that I sing in church. Be still for the presence of the Lord. The Holy One is here. And I thought, wow, how prejudiced I have been against these people. Thank God for this building that was full on a Sunday morning. At least they've come looking for God. Do you understand me? Prejudice needs to be dealt with in our lives. And I'll tell you what happened. I sat there and I said, God, speak to me. I looked up at the wall and they have things around the wall. It's a good Protestant I used to say, you don't need any of that stuff. <laughs> you don't need any idols. You don't need anything. You need a plain building. <laughs> but I sat there and it was under one of the stations of the cross they have wooden plaques of seven i think it's seven stations of the cross i sat under one and i looked up at it and all i could see was this picture of jesus and his cross and he held his hand up like this and his mother was there and it was as if he said mother don't worry about me i thought god i thought i knew all about the pain of the cross but the pain i felt sitting in my mother's living room where i said to her mom I don't want you to feel this pain. And I looked up, sitting under that station of the cross, and it was Jesus on his way to the cross. And he was going like this to his mother, as if he said, Mom, don't worry about me. I'm going to be all right. I thought, Jesus, you're beautiful. One thing God has said to me over these last two years is, Sammy, I know what it's like, son. <laughs> Aren't you glad that we've got such a wonderful Savior? The Bible became real to me. Jesus was, he knows what it is to be betrayed by somebody that he really loved. 30 pieces of coins to be betrayed. He knows what it is for Peter that he bared his chest to. For three years, he let him into all his secrets, let him come really close. And whenever he needed Peter most, he looked over and he seen Peter saying, I swear, I don't know who he is. My Jesus knows what heartache feels like. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was overwhelmed. The Bible says he was overwhelmed with sorrow. Isaiah 53 says he is familiar with suffering and acquainted with grief. He told me, Sammy, I know what you're going through. Well, haven't we got a great Savior? Don't you love Jesus? Can I let you into a secret? I came down here last night, and I walked up and down the street. And I was praying, and I said, Jesus, is there somebody I can talk to in Long Eaton tonight about you? I walked up and down the streets, and I walked around this building, and I went up into the park, and I talked to the park keeper up here. Nice wee park keeper. And I was just praying. I said, God, where are the people outside this church who need an oasis? And God said to me, think about this. How are we getting on inside the church? 
See, I learned a lot this last couple of years. I used to stand at the pulpit as a pastor and say, I know it's Christmas, and I know that some of you will be missing your families today. And I've always prayed those prayers. Except last Christmas, my first Christmas away from my family, the, the first Christmas that I actually left, I couldn't face it, and I just agreed with my ex-wife that we would actually, I would lie upstairs in the boys' bunk bed with them so that I could wake up on Christmas morning. Last Christmas, we thought it was time to move on a wee bit. I was at Teen Challenge. I went down to, uh, into the medication room to give out some meds for them. And one of the boys came to me and uh, he says, Am I all right? And I said, No. And I just had this panic attack. And we held on to each other and we cried. <laughs> we cried. I said, This is hell. I'm really, really missing my kids. The first Christmas morning, I've never been with them in 19 years. It was painful. In fact, was it passed? It's like a bereavement, isn't it? It passes. Because a couple of hours later, I'm dressed up as Santa Claus with these, <laughs> with, with these 25 drug addicts. Some of these boys I work with now, their parents, their moms and dads have taken orders, court orders out on them so that they can't go anywhere near them. They're scared of their own kids. <laughs> and here they are coming, jumping on my knee. <laughs> I said, what do you want for Christmas? And even though I didn't have my kids, <laughs> I had 25 kids, and we had a great time. But I have learned a lot. It also hurts me that I've got seven sisters and three brothers, and three of my sisters have gone through divorce, and I hadn't got a clue the pain that was involved in it, and I wasn't there for them. That hurts me. That hurts me. The reason why I'm sharing this this morning is wouldn't it be great if the church could have a little, more, a little bit more insight into who's sitting on the chairs? Do you understand me? That's why I'm sharing this today. Because even to come here a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> I still had a lump in my throat. Do you mean when it's, it's family day? I say, tell us on the sofa, what does family mean to you? What does family mean to you? And Sammy's sitting over here all by myself. <laughs> thing, what does family mean to me? And there was a lump in my throat. Do you understand me? And to hear the answers and to see the wee boy and our brother here and the whole age group, family's really important. <sighs> Isn't it important that we get to the heart of church? Uh, I was driving the minibus with the boys. I take the boys out. I take them to doctor's appointments, the teen challenging lads. I'm driving along and I say, look guys, because sometimes they think, poor old us, we've got a hard case. And we stopped at the traffic lights, and there's a wee woman going up the road with a, a simmer frame. I said, that wee woman there has got as much hassle in life as what you drug addicts have. This wee woman, there will be times where she's lonely. She's just struggling even to get up the street. We need to be aware of people who have been married for 60 years and their partner has been taken from them. We need to be aware of them. Don't we? We are a family. <laughs> we are a family. God has led me, I believe, to be part of this fellowship. When I'm, I'll be here every other Sunday if possible. When I'm not here, I'll be with the boys in church. But we need each other, don't we? 
<laughs> we need church. Be aware if the person sitting beside you. Be aware that even whenever somebody's happy most of the time, they still need to know that they're valid. They're not an invalid. They're a valid individual. Are we agreed? Isn't it great to be part of the family of God? It's wonderful. Let me see what else I can say. The second thing Jesus said to me was, Sammy, I've anointed you to be a preacher of the gospel. What happened was that one day, after three days of crying my guts out in Northern Ireland, I got in my car and I thought, I'll go and get a haircut. I went to the first, I went to Carnlock, a little village on the coast. They had no hole in the wall. Then I went to the next village. They had a hole in the wall, but they wanted to charge me 1.90. I thought, nah. So I drove another 50 miles so I didn't have to pay for... <laughs> I came to Larn, came to the, Larn's quite a big town, a harbour town, I went in, found the hole in the wall, got it out for nothing. <laughs> I actually enjoyed the drive around the coast. <laughs> I went into the, the barber shop across the road, a young man, in his 20 years of age, and his girlfriend. He started cutting my hair, he says, where are you from? I said, Bradford. He says, what, what do you do? I, uh, Work in the church. <laughs> he says, you pastor? I said, yeah. And he said, this is my fiance. Her father's a pastor. I said, oh. I looked at her and I recognized her because she looked exactly the same way as her mother did 30 years ago. <laughs> I thought, I know who she is. And she was a young girl called Care. Her, and I, her father started the work of Teen Challenge in Northern Ireland. I said to him, are you a Christian? I said, cut my hair. He said, no. I said, you need to get right with God. His, the grandchild of this wonderful pastor, Roy Kerr, who preaches, he still preaches today. And this was his granddaughter. And I began to witness to them. And the Spirit of God began to bubble up inside me. I said, and this is when I'm hurting at my most and still I'm sharing the gospel. I came out of there. I jumped in the car. I spoke in tongues all the way home. The Spirit of God was now upon me because God says to me, Sammy, I have called you to bring hope, to bring purpose, to bring the gospel to people. <laughs> God hasn't finished with me yet. Amen. Isn't God wonderful? I need to finish now. My time's gone. I could preach all day. Could I say that I have known pain? at my lowest point during the last two years. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I looked at my forearms. I thought, God! I thought, this cannot be happening to me. And God let me have a glimpse of why people self-harm. I looked at my two forearms just for five minutes, and it passed. I said, thank God it passed. But I could feel pain coming out of my forearms. And I could easily have sliced it to get the pain out of the inside of me. I thought, God. <laughs> See, after 20 years of ministry, I cried out to God and I said, God, I'm, not, I'm fed up with the same old stuff. I want to help hurting, broken people. And even though this has happened and it shouldn't have happened, my marriage should not have broken down the way it did. 
And I've been careful today not to slag anybody off, not myself or my ex-wife. That doesn't help anybody. Do you understand me? But I, please, I'm saying this for a purpose this morning, that we can get to the heart of real broken people. These people need Jesus. Amen. People who are self-harming need to walk into this church and know that they are not invalids, but they're accepted. Mothers need to walk in here and they need to be able to talk to you and say, look, my son's an attic and I haven't got a clue what they do. People sitting in church who are struggling with homosexual thoughts need to be able to come and talk to the leadership and say, I'm struggling. People who are in church who are struggling and think I'm going under. I've started watching porn and I can't stop it. They need to be able to come and talk to somebody. And we need to be able to pray for each other that it can be broken. This needs to be a safe place where you can be real, be yourself, be honest, be loved, be accepted, not be condemned, but helped. I'm really finding this hard to finish. Used to be as a pastor in our churches that it was, you could have a, one file on the, the shelf that said Teen Challenge or Victory Outreach. And so whenever somebody came to your church and said, I've got issues with addiction, you say, that's okay. Go to Teen Challenge. The modern pastor has to have a shelf that has got this one for addiction, Christian organization. They can help you. We need another file that says, you're struggling with your sexuality. This is a Christian, professional Christian organization who can help you talk through your sexual issues. You are not a bad person. You need help. Another file. Ah, people used to come to my church and say, I'm in debt, 500 pound in debt, pastor. You said, come as you are. I've come as I am, but I'm in debt. I picked down a file. Cap Christians Against Poverty. These Christians can help you. Is that the sort of church that you want to be part of? Jesus meets every need that you've got. I've got a lot of other stuff to say, but I think I've said enough. Let's just bow our heads and see what God says to us. Wonderful Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and grace to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. I thank you this morning, God, that you have walked with me through my darkest hours. Thank you, Lord, that where no one else could help but Jesus, that you helped me. This poor man, the invalid man at the pool, said, I have no one to help me. I thank you, God, that you want to help each individual in this place this morning. Could I ask you while your heads are bowed, before you go onto the streets to try and win the loss for Jesus, have you, this is what I believe God put in my heart last night, have you got a sister that's divorced and you haven't felt her pain? That's big stuff. Before you go to win the loss in the streets of Long Eaton, I walked up and down that street last night and God says, no, Sammy, no, we're not going to win this, the people on the street tonight. I want you to get into the building and ask the family of God, have you actually got a sister that is divorced and you have done nothing to show her that you really feel her pain? Do you know somebody? Do you know somebody that's in emotional pain and you've done nothing to help them? 
maybe you've added to the problem. Let the Holy Spirit come to you this morning. Let him help your heart. Let him soften your heart so you care for your own family who need you to let them know, I'm sorry what you've gone through. I'm sorry I haven't been there for you. Is there anything I can do to help you now? Is there somebody in this church that you have caused pain to? Rather than being Bethesda, the house of grace, the house of mercy, rather than showing grace and mercy, you have actually hurt somebody in church. Ah, Jesus. Holy Spirit. I just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will come, that you'll help people here this morning. Could we stand together, please? Can we stand together? Every time I say that, my emphasis is on the word together. Can we stand together? Can we stand together? God loves you. <laughs> he loves you very much. Yes. I just, let's just take time and let... <laughs> He's a great father, isn't he? He's a great father. He loves you. Maybe you're missing your partner this morning. He loves you. I've tried to be as real as I can be this morning. Some of you are still feeling the pain of bereavement. That's all right, isn't it? It's all right to cry, isn't it? Every so often, your brain, most times you're great, but every so often you miss your, you miss your partner. You miss your husband. You miss your wife. Oh, what a wonderful Heavenly Father. We love you so much, Jesus. He loves you this morning. Is there somebody here this morning you need help? <laughs> Do you need help? Jesus wants to help you. He wants to help you. He wants to help you through your bad days somebody here this morning, your son or your daughter is breaking your heart. Some of you are so ashamed of something that you can't even mention it in church. You come to church, you're involved in the church, but you can't actually mention it in church because you still think, I cannot mention that somebody in my family is struggling with homosexuality or something that is so, you feel I can't share it. Jesus loves you. Come on to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest because my yoke is easy. The Lord wants to take the weight off you this morning. Beautiful Jesus. I'm just going to pray. I find this very difficult. <laughs> I, I, I just want to come and hug every one of you and pray for you, lay my hands on you and help you through. <laughs> and that's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to meet you where you are. Amen. I'm just going to say a prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will come. You don't come, Lord, to open a wound to leave people feeling pain. You come, Lord, to bring healing and to bring help to bring freedom, to bring support. And Lord, I actually thank you now. After two years, I can now say thank you for what you've brought me through. Thank you for the privilege of suffering with Jesus. Thank you for 
I now have empathy with a lot of hurting people and with these boys that I work with, but also I want to bring your heart into the church as well. And Lord, I thank you for this church. Thank you, Lord, for, for Pastor Adrian and Helen. Lord, I pray, Lord, thank you, Lord, for their gentle nature that they were able to say, Sammy, come and have dinner with us. And they allowed me into their home and they fed me. And I really, really appreciated that. And to allow me to preach in my first Elam church in two years, I thank you for they as a couple that even though they know what I've gone through, that they could still open the pulpit and say, Sammy, we still love you. <laughs> Minister from this pulpit. And Lord, I thank you for this couple. I pray that you'll fill this church and let it be truly an oasis in the desert for broken, hurt, and people. This world that we live in today is mad. It is mad. And I pray that we'll just get rid of the pretense that we'll not have to wear a mask, that the youth in this church can actually bring their friends who are wacky to church. That the, the youth will be able to bring their lesbian friend from school to church. And they'll not be locked down on, but they'll start to see, actually, we don't condemn you, we love you. Jesus died for you. Oh, Lord, do something beautiful. Let this become water world. In Jesus' name, amen. Take a seat just for a moment. It's great. Bless you. Our thanks to Sammy. Our thanks to Sammy this morning. He's really opened up his heart. And uh, we, we thank him for what he's shared. It, uh, in the verses that Sammy's been reading from, it says that the man said, there's no one who can help me into the water, into the pool. And uh, Sammy's really reminded us that Jesus is our helper. And the Holy Spirit will help us. And each one of us, and be that person to look out towards each other, oh, can't we? Each one of us, the encouragement this morning is us to look out for each other. Um, about six weeks ago, maybe, I stood up and um, I got a bit emotional. I probably laid my heart a bit open and said, I think something fresh. We need to really need to really go for God as a church. We need something fresh. God's going to do something fresh in our church. And then um, Joanne shared about the pool and now Sammy's coming and sharing the same and, you know, we want to um, just be a place that's open in heart and vision and towards each other. So Jesus says he's our helper and he's helping us this morning. And Sammy brings that message. And as we stand, the Spirit is here and helping us. And for each one of us, that's why the emphasis during communion was reach out to someone nearby you and maybe go and pray for somebody. I said it in a very sort of non-pushy way, but we want our fellowship to be a place that is open embracing and our thanks to Simon this morning because as he's hurting Jesus is healing and he shares out of that healing hurting relationship it's amazing isn't it and he's to be commended for sharing with us this morning but we're hurting and we're being healed too and out of that we then reach out to each other so be the person that helps the person into the pool that's what we're being encouraged to do this morning Sammy's done it in a great way he said that Jesus is your helper and also you and I be the person that helps the person into the healing presence of Jesus. The pool is Jesus. And now each one of us can look out. And so when he went walking the streets, I didn't know that. Wow, it's amazing. Puts me to shame. There's Sammy coming and walking the streets of Long Eaton for us. It's amazing, isn't it? Come on. It is amazing, isn't it? It's pretty incredible. 
And uh, I'm Italian, so, so I'm emotional, so I'll start crying in a minute, so I better watch myself. Because <laughs> my dad cries his eyes out all the time. And I say, oh, Dad, just stop crying, just stop crying. And, um, but I think that, that's an amazing thing that Sammy's gone and done that. Isn't that amazing? But for you and I, to walk the streets of Long Eaton, it's great. But to be the person to each other and to those around us that helps the person into the pool to meet Jesus. Oh, can we do that? Yes, I think if Sammy can and what he's been through, then I think we can. So God bless you. Be encouraged. Come and speak to Sam. Speak to me. Speak to somebody. Perhaps some of the things that Sammy's touched upon has touched your heart because you're hurting too. And you think, oh, what you've said has just spoken to me so much. Thank you. Well, come and tell him that. (laughs) We don't want him to be inundated with people. But come and speak to us. We want to be a place that reaches out towards each other and reaches out to one another. God bless you. Uh, Talk to him. Talk to us. And let's reach out and introduce people. To Jesus. Sorry, just to say quickly, um, I don't like to push in, but I, I remember one time saying in front of my church that, and I, I, I believe Eddie's all right with this, that if anybody wants to talk to me personally, then you can talk to me. I remember standing in front of a youth group and said, I would rather that you come and talk to me rather than self-harming because there's something locked up inside your head. Uh, and that's the same for anybody. If I can help you, then I, I will talk to anybody about anything. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Sam. God bless you. Encourage him. He's a great man. He really is a great man.